When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Broadway's A Strange Loop is still basking in the glory of winning Tony Awards for Best Musical and Best Book of a Musical by Michael R. Jackson. I spoke to Woolly Mammoth Theater's artistic director, Maria Manuela Goyanes, about a powerful show nearly two decades in the making. Hi, I'm Maria Manuela Goyanes. I'm the artistic director of Woolly Mammoth Theater Company in Washington, D.C. Yes, and I wanted to check in with with you all at Woolly Mammoth because, you know, A a Strange Loop just um, dominated on Broadway and it actually started um, uh, down here in D.C. at Woolly Mammoth. I I guess not started. I think maybe you were like the second place it played or something, but definitely before it went to Broadway. Um, So I want to preview the upcoming slate for the fall and everything, just everything you got going on. But let's start with A Strange Loop. Um, Remind our listeners when exactly you staged it, how you found out about it. Oh boy, yeah, this is a good story. So I have actually known Michael R. Jackson, the writer, since he was 24 years old and I was 25 years old. Wow, where'd this you This is a long time ago. I'm definitely not that age anymore and neither is he. He, he was uh, a graduate of the NYU Musical Theater Writing Program and I was introduced to him by a professor there, a friend of mine, um, Donna DiNivelli, and she, he needed a director to work on a couple of his projects. And it was around that time that he started to come up with the idea for this musical. And uh, he basically, we, he showed me a monologue that he had turned into um, a song called Why I Can't Get Work. And um, he started putting together this, what would become the first drafts of A Strange Loop. So I've known about this piece for a very, very, very long time. And it didn't actually get a production until right before the pandemic at Playwrights Horizons. That was its first production. Um, Adam Greenfield is the artistic director there. They're brilliant. And where, where is that? It's what, a town, risky, what town is that in? Is it's that in, in New York? York City. Yeah, it's in off New York Broadway. City. Yeah, right. off Broadway. Yeah, that was but you know what's crazy about it, Jason? That was his first professional production of a show ever. Michael <laughs> R. Jackson's first professional production of a show ever. Right out of the gate. It's a strange loop, right out of the gate. And it w- made all these top 10 lists. But because it was the first production, you know, you learn so much when you're doing something like that, right? And they didn't get to finish all of the things that they wanted to finish. You know, they ran out of rehearsal time, all of that kind of stuff, because, you know, it's the first time putting together a big musical. And so uh, the pandemic happened and I called Barbara Whitman, who's a commercial producer, and I said, listen, if there's anybody, if, if, if another theater company that's a bigger theater company than Woolly Mammoth wants to do this show, I am all for it. Like you, sh- you all should have the resources and hopefully then bring it commercially. I love this show. I've loved it since I worked on it, you know, when I was a kid. Um, and if no one takes you up on that, 
come back and talk to me, please. <laughs> and so what ended up happening was, you know, it's it's a risky piece. And I think that between the pandemic and also the themes that it's got about, um, you know, uh, difficulties like, you know, in the gay community, him trying to get, um, you know, find love, those kinds of things. Those are all provocative themes still to this day for most of our audiences. And so um, I called Barbara Whitman and I said, well, has, has anyone said yes? And she's like, you're the only one. And I'm like, great, well then let's do it. Let's let's make it happen. So Wooly did a our, the second production of it um, in uh, November, December of um, this past year. Oh my gosh, 2021. 2021. Yeah. Oh yeah, 2021. It's like, it feels like it was 20 years ago, but it wasn't, it was not that long ago. And in that production, we were able to, we did a nationwide casting search and found the then 22-year-old Jaquel Spivey, who had just graduated, literally was graduating from Point Park University in Pittsburgh. He uh, came and did the audition, blew us all away. He's not even as old as the character he plays. <laughs> and the review in the Washington Post, I mean, if you go back and look at what Peter Mark said, he literally says something to the effect of like, enter Jaquel Spivey, remember that name. I mean, can you imagine this is this kid's first, his professional debut debut is in a strange loop at Wooly Mammoth, the first professional production he's ever done. And then he goes to Broadway and gets a Tony nomination. It's just like, what? <laughs> yeah, well, that was pretty uh, prophetic because everyone remembers that name now. Um, well, real quick, um, tell me, um, you, you, you said about how it's like such a, revolutionary, I don't want to say con controversial, but you know, like a groundbreaking yeah. uh, theme. Um, even the, uh, even the one, the, the one phrase that always pops up in my mind when I think of the show is that when he, when he does that about how he said, you know, he's had enough of toxic Tyler Perry and white gay male tyranny and my secret inner white girl, though she's dear to me, break, break it down. Even just that little stanza, um, break that down about, you know, how, you know, a person of color LGBT um, is not always represented. You think of Broadway as, you know, but, but they're even within, even within the progressive Broadway, it was still sort of white gay male dominated. Oh, for sure. There's no question about it. So just to break that down, um, let's start with the inner white girl. I, the fact of the matter is this character of Usher um, is in love with Liz Fair, in love with Joni Mitchell, in love with Tori Amos, loves those songs, feels a kinship to those songs and sings this song called, he's got an inner white girl inside of him. Uh, um, but ultimately, you know, he he tries to pretend to be that, but you know he he gives himself away because he's in a black queer male body. He's <laughs> like so the only the only um uh you know it's only in his fantasy you know and he feels such a kinship to those songs and they resonate with him, which all which puts him on the outskirts of the black gay community there's a there's a moment where he actually calls beyonce a terrorist a culture yeah. terrorist in the show which then makes all of the men the black gay community say you are not somebody who i want to date you are not somebody who i want to hang out with you are not somebody who i want to want to um uh, uh get to know and it's it's just because he is just a very specific idiosyncratic character who um who has very clear opinions about what he likes and what he doesn't like and it's hard for him to actually find 
find love because he doesn't, he isn't the person who loves Tyler Perry. He is, and, and he tends to be attracted to um, the white gay guys who pay him no mind. There's a moment in the, in the show where he's on the subway. Oh, it's so heartbreaking. And he meets this guy and the guy is like, oh, I think you're totally sexy and hot. And it turns out it's in his imagination. <laughs> because that guy would never be attracted to him in real life and he is just he's just playing these things out as a young as a young guy trying to trying to to find himself I, when i was 22 23 24 i don't want to relive my dating life i don't know about you no definitely not i'm glad i'm married and, and found my way <laughs> you know what i mean it's really well but this is the thing about strange loop is that even in its specificity there are there is real universalism to what this young guy is going through and yeah i'm not a black queer male you know character but man do i do i understand the rejection of youth man yeah. do i understand wanting and wishing to find somebody to love me in the way, in the fullness of who I am, we, you know, liking the things that I like, you know, and yeah. not trying to be somebody who I'm not. Oh, everyone that, that, and that's where you get the universal, the universal themes out of a, a, a character, the specificity of a character. Mm -hmm. um, that's what's mm -hmm. great. And you mentioned, you mentioned that, you know, part of that quote, inner white girl that he's talking about was Liz Fair, you know, and Joni Mitchell, et cetera. But it wasn't Liz, it was a Liz Fair song, right? A, the A Strange Loop. It, it, that was a title, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. So A Strange Loop, that the title of the show is absolutely a reference to a Liz Fair song, as well as the loop that is happening inside the musical. But also, uh, Exile in Gayville is a is a direct conversation with Exile in Guyville, which is also a Liz Fair uh, album. So I, you know, when he first started working on the show, actually all the songs were counterpoints to Liz Fair, um, and. Uh, and in the show, he actually talks about how in the beginning he used to use all these Liz Fair songs, but he couldn't get the right. So he had to pull the Liz Fair songs from the show <laughs> and the show still stayed intact, which is great. Nice. And 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 also just in, in case, um, I want to make sure we dot all the I's and cross the T's, like just in case our listeners aren't aware of the show, explain how it's also sort of self-reflexive about this Usher, you know what I mean? Like a, a, a theater show, writing a show about a show kind of a thing. Yeah, for sure. So A Strange Loop is a show about a Black gay musical theater writing writer writing a show about a Black gay musical theater writer writing a show. So that's The Strange Loop. So he is a young, um, he is an usher on at the, the Lion King on Broadway, and he is trying to write a musical about being a musical theater writer and trying to get his parents and the world to actually accept him for who he is. And what he finds out towards the end, I, I don't think I'm giving too much away, is that you know the, only, the person who has the biggest problem with the pronoun I is him wow. and how he gets to a place of trying to figure out acceptance um, of himself. And it's not uh, neat and tied up with a bow. It's hard and difficult um, and a lifelong journey. But this is where it also feels universal in that way of, of trying to get to a place of self-acceptance is the path to finding that that love and that acceptance that you want in the world, too. Wow. What a character arc and, and how it fits in. That, you, that was powerful what you just said, that, that the pronoun is I that he's grappling with.
That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, you mentioned you mentioned that when it, it played um, last December at Woolly Mammoth and, you know, the, the rave reviews of the Washington Post, Peter Marks, uh, remember that name. Um, talk about then once you saw it, go, you know, go to Broadway, you know, really take Broadway by storm. And what was your reaction when you saw that? And, and, and of course, Tony and I watch, watching it actually win. I couldn't believe it, to be honest with you, it, it, because, it, again, it's what, 17, 18 years in the making. Right. Yeah. And so there's a part of there's there's a part of me that goes, well, it's about time. Like the world needed to catch up to this musical. Right. And when I mean the world needed to catch up to this musical, I mean, the world needed to be open enough to hearing the story of someone um, who who is who doesn't look like. <laughs> the you know uh right. all of the people who are normally on a broadway stage just to be clear you know um i don't know how many i i couldn't say off the top of my head but i can't tell you how many broadway musicals have somebody at the center of uh of the musical that looks like um this character at all and so there's a there is a, a openness that that sort of had to happen that i think partly you know the pandemic has something to do with it and our cultural opinions moving and changing to be, you know, more open to hearing stories uh, that might not have been heard before, right? And so for me, there's a there's a part of me that was like, well, this is a long time coming, about time uh, mm -hmm. that Michael R. Jackson gets the recognition that he de he so deserves. Um, and and also can't couldn't believe it because Lord knows it, it's a long time coming. I mean, that best book of a musical, Tony, like hard one, man, hard one, 18 <laughs> years of real work in that. And then finally, when the best musical was announced, and we're all running up on the stage, you know, you can see me in the background, double fist pumping in the back, because we're just sort of like, what is happening here? Um, and 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 what's what's thrilling is that the show is actually breaking box office records on Broadway in that house at the Lyceum. And I, you know, there's there was a part of me that was nervous that thought, well, you know, this is such a it does feel provocative still to do a show like this, um, uh, you know, on su in such a commercial house in such a mainstream venue. And um, the fact that people are going to see it and and are finding their way into it and feeling that the universal within it for themselves is just like it's breathtaking i it just it i i i'm speechless it's so difficult to actually wrap my mind around you know oh yeah and another great point that uh, not only a critical success but a, a popular box office success too you know like hamilton etc cetera, etc cetera. it's it's really i th and i actually think broadway has sort of even led the way with sort of that you know that dichotomy you know, at least much more than than move the movie industry it, it you, movies used to be you know best picture and the block and the top grocer of the year was the same you know back in the day but it's really splintered on streaming platforms and stuff so that it's kind of you know the box office is sort of like the big superhero movie but then something completely else wins the oscar and but i just think it's kind of cool that with in the case of a strange loop and other broadway shows lately it's it they're one and the same you know they're the mo more eyeballs are seeing the best artistic work i think it's so cool um 
So that uh, movie tangent aside, <laughs> um, back to um, you, you, you mentioned that you were on stage. So it, it gets it gets the most nominations with 11 this year. It wins for Book of a Musical and, you know, the big top prize of Best Musical. Um, I think it also won the Pulitzer for drama, too. But um, yes. so you're you actually just to clarify, you got to go up on stage when when they. Oh, for sure. It? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Wooly Mammoth, Wooly Mammoth was one of the co-producers of the show. It's, it's the production is the Wooly Mammoth P73 Playwrights Horizons production of. So those were the three nonprofit theaters who came together, P73 and Playwrights Horizons in New York in 2019, as I said, and then Wooly Mammoth um, recently in 2021, who came together to help, you know, develop this show and get it to a place where it could get to Broadway and be the best version of itself that it could be the mo most impactful version of itself that it could be. So yeah, I got to go up on stage. This the Tony statue is is on its way to Wooly Mammoth. We're gonna yeah. do an unboxing video, I hope, and be able to actually have our uh, folks come and take a selfie with it um, uh, because it's a big deal for for a theater company. We're not a big theater company, and we're we have a high risk profile, right? Which means that. Our work tends to be more edgy, more risky, more provocative than, again, most mainstream venues. And so the fact that we have been able to have the success in this way is just like, I, I, again, so what are the words that I can use to explain my, um, yeah, total and utter shock and uh, happiness, giddiness around it? That's so cool that you you got to go up on stage and because I, I, rem, I remember on Tony night, I remember, you know, during the acceptance speech, hearing the the Wooly Mammoth shout out to DC, but I don't, you know, the fact that you were actually on stage is so cool and that you're going to unbox the actual Tony award back here in DC. That's so cool. When's that going to happen? Yeah. Well, hopefully soon you should come down, you should take a selfie with it and blast it on social media and be like, yay, Tony winning DC. It's here. The statue isn't the the pro, the award isn't the trophy is in town. Yeah, I remember that was always that's a cool thing when when you can go into I don't know arena stage and see the dear Evan Hansen Tony sitting there or whatever. And now we'll get to come to oh, a Wooly cool. Mammoth and see the estranged loop Tony uh, trophy. It's that's just I really have to cool. give a I want to give a shout out actually to DC Theater because it's really it's one of those uh, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to come and run a company like Wooly Mammoth in Washington DC. We have so, such a vibrant dynamic theater ecology and it is working, these theaters, arena stage, signature, studio, mosaic, roundhouse, you know, Wooly, we're working at the top of our game here and you can see that, you can see that happening. And folks, you all need to come to DC to see these shows at reasonable prices, frankly, before they get to <laughs> their commercial successes uh, in New York and elsewhere. Yeah, It's comes a major theater town. Come see it, you know, here on the cutting edge Vanguard before everyone else finds out about it. I mean, I always remind people West Side Story began here at National Theater before it even made it up to Broadway. All the big hits. Come on. You got to see them in D.C. first. Um, well, awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, I actually just, you know, I have another interview in 10 minutes, but I want to um, I want to tee up, um, you know, now, now that the now that the the fever has broken the honeymoon period of the big Tony win has settled down a little bit. Let's look ahead and remind people what, uh, you, you know, Willie Mammoth has coming up in the upcoming season is so, uh, I guess the next one will be ain't no mo in September. Yeah. Ain't no mo by Wonderkin 
Jordan Cooper, who is just like a brilliant, brilliant artist. Uh, he wrote this piece when he was like 22, I want to say, at the New School. And I actually got had the privilege of working on it when it was at the Public Theater and had its premiere in New York City. And I've been wanting to do it, bring it to DC audiences for a long time. And over the course of the pandemic, um, Jordan and Lee Daniels, who is actually connected to the show now too, said, yes, you can take it to, to Washington, D.C., and actually to Baltimore. We're going to do it in a co-production with Baltimore Center Stage. They have just announced a Broadway run. It is a different run. It is a different production from the production that you'll get to see in Washington and Baltimore, but you will get to see the show before it actually goes on to a commercial success because it's the same script. Oh so my this gosh, is are we going to have moments. another strange loop on our hands next year? I mean, I'm telling you, Ain't No Mo is a brilliant show and I cannot wait for people to see it. And some of the DC acting favorites are going to be in it. John Hudson Odom is coming back to Woolly Mammoth to play Peaches, who is the flight attendant for African American Airlines flight 1619 that is on its way to Africa to bring all Black Americans back to the mother country. That is part of the premise of this insane show um, that sort of does a send up of lots of different things, including reality TV and, re and the Housewives of um, the Real Housewives franchise, among other things. So you've got to come and check it out um, and be escorted by our drag queen flight attendant, Peaches. Then in the after that, we've got Is This a Room, which is a show that is that actually takes verbatim the transcript, the FBI transcript of when reality winner, who was the NSA agent who was taken um, into custody because they leaked information around Russians, Russia's interference in the elections oh, to yeah. the media. They literally, this theater company called Half Straddle with their brilliant uh, Tina Satter actually created a theater piece called Is This a Room that that shows us documentary style exactly what happens. And what you get is like, whoa, this is so odd. It's like government overreach, also this young woman's ethics compared to her country's values and what she did wrong and what didn't she do wrong. And that's going to be our show right after Ain't No Mo. So you got, it's going to be a, a an amazing start of our season in the fall. And I hope everyone will come to Woolly Mammoth and check it out. Oh yeah. And that, I mean, they, but they both sound great. I mean, I know. And then we invite everyone also to see, you know, coming up seven methods of killing Kylie Jenner, the jungle, the nosebleed incendiary. Uh, we, we can follow up and do um, individual interviews for, for all of these, including ain't no mo. Let, let's follow up as we get really? Jason, yeah. I would love that. I can't wait to tell you about it. I can't wait to talk to all your listeners about it because these are amazing, amazing pieces that I think people are really going to want to come and check out. Um, yeah. At Wooly. Yeah, let, let's reach back out and we'll do we'll do a story for, for all of them individually. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Right. Well, thank Sounds you. Good. This has been great. Jason, you're awesome. I'm so glad to hear you evangelize about the theater as you do. We are on the vanguard more so than movies. So get people out to the theater, please. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, everyone, uh, this is Wooly Mammoth Theater. Check it out. Um, and, you know, when you get a chance, you know, up until then, head up to New York and, and get a chance to see um, A Strange Loop and see, get a taste of, of the great work that happens down here all the time. Hey, thanks for doing this. Take care, Jason. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.
I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.